cool. I love it. We're about to go to Railroad Earth Live, but I got a little business involving them to do first, uh, and it's called a Ticket Giveaway. So, yes, Railroad Earth featuring Peter Rowan is going to be happening February 1st, 2020. And you could have a pair of guest list passes to see Railroad Earth featuring Peter Rowan. It's a Saturday, February 1st, at the Mission Ballroom in Denver. Uh, if you've won anything from us in the last 30 days, don't call. But if you haven't you want to see these guys and you can make it to the show, call 303-449-4885 once the music starts. And um, doors will open at 7 o'clock. The show is at 8 o'clock. It's a 16 and older show. And it says here, I'm going to go ahead and give you what it says, and then you'll find out what is really going on. It says, when they started out in 2001, Railroad Earth were a bunch of guys interested in playing acoustic instruments together. They still use unique acoustic instrumentation, but don't consider themselves a bluegrass or country band. Whatever their style is called, they can jam with the best and approach each song with the idea of exploring and trading musical ideas. You can see some of that, you and a friend, February 1st with Peter Rowan at the Mission Ballroom in Denver. Now then, is that what you guys sound like? Do you Are you not a bluegrass or country band? Are you a jammers? We have in our cabaret room which has hosted many swell pickers and singers over the years. We have Railroad Earth, the men, the legend, the band itself. Let's hear from you guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
KGNU in the cabaret room. Um, songs about the Great Divide often do well here in Colorado. I can't <laughs> understand why, but um, did you write that one, Todd? Yeah, I did. Um, I understand that uh, one of your first gigs as a band was uh, the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. Like you just sort of warmed up a couple of times. <laughs> sent them a five-song demo, and uh, and bang, you were on stage there. I've known bands that worked for 20 years and couldn't get in to, to tell you ride. So <laughs> what's what's the secret there? Did did you guys suddenly just tap a, tap a, a vein of gold uh, when, you, when you first got together for your first pick, or what happened? How did your band gel so quickly? Well, I think there was... Um a lot of good good fortune involved but uh, you know it wasn't uh exactly uh like that you know the the players in the band had a lot of experience uh prior to getting together in this band so um there was the, uh a lot of experience <laughs> going into those that five song demo but uh when when those players got together and and made that music it um uh, 
you know, uh, some some kind of spark did happen, and uh, a lot of people heard it in our first record, which was the uh, Black Bear Sessions, and um, uh, they, you know, the folks at uh, Telluride really liked the the music and uh, invited us invited us out. It was uh, a little daunting <laughs> to to step out there having only a couple gigs under our belt, but um, well, I can imagine. Yeah, that's a it's a huge crowd, and it's yeah. a you know all the uh, all the cachet of Telluride and everything like that. And you guys were sort of new to it, so I'm I'm kind of in awe about it. Um, and you've always you've always uh, been mostly about your original compositions. You you really weren't ever a cover band, isn't that right? You were never. Uh, Doing um, uh, you know Orange Blossom Special and and uh, rolling my sweet baby's arms for audiences were you or am I wrong? Uh, no, we we um, have always uh, you know created our own sound and our own music, and uh, we do play covers. We do some traditional stuff, but uh, it, it's you know it's there augmenting, uh, supplementing <laughs> you know our own thing which is is really what we're about so well you write a lot of the the tunes yourself is, is there um, a a collaborative uh, band technique for turning out songs also the technique is to try and uh, write as good a song as uh as i can that is uh, supple enough to uh, take a beating and then uh, <laughs> and then have these wonderful players have at it <laughs> it's all about the beats, yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear another one, and, and then, and I thought that first one went really well. Yes, and now we're going to play a John Skeen composition that he calls Isinglass. Maybe he can explain what that means. That's what the uh, the curtains of uh, the old uh, uh, the old uh, coaches were made out of, weren't they? <laughs> John. <laughs> the windows. Uh, well, it, there was a little bit of a riddle in it. Uh, the, the actual title of the tune is Farewell to Isinglass, and long story short, uh, I had heard some time ago that Guinness stout was not exactly vegan friendly because there was some element of uh, fish in it, and I always assumed it was fish oil or something uh, like that to make it extra, you know, yummy and, and creamy, but uh, <laughs> truth is, after I did a little research, because I heard they were going to alter the recipe, which is, is a oh, shocking no. proposition. No. Uh, <laughs> And remove the fish ingredient to make it vegan-friendly. I looked up what it was, uh, and it turns out it's a thing called isinglass, which is what they call, in the brewing process, a fining ingredient, something you just throw in there to kind of coagulate all the sediment and remove it. And what isinglass actually is is dried-up swim bladders from a particular kind of fish. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a lovely name, isinglass. You know, it sounds like something from The Lord of the Rings. Uh, and knowing that they were going to remove this from uh, the product, uh, I, you know, happened upon that title because it just sort of sounds, you know, mystical. And, but the real truth is it's fish bladders. <laughs> <laughs> now that's country. But <laughs> <laughs> farewell to eyes and glass, I think, does have uh, a nicer ring to it than farewell to fish bladder. <laughs>
Farewell to Eyes in Glass. I love the name and I like the tune. Uh, Railroad Earth here on the uh, Morning Sound Alternative. They're performing live in the cabaret room. I take a lot of pride in the cabaret room. I made a lot of enemies in the discussions about what we were going to do with this building when we bought it. And I said, we got to have a cabaret room, friends, because I'm tired of having people set up in the hallway. (laughs) So uh, you guys are lighting it up out there, and I'm enjoying it. Um, So this is fun. You were in Broomfield last night. Is that right? Yeah, we were. A a really, really wonderful night of... uh, Friendship, celebration, music—it was—it was really incredible. It's the uh, uh, the Jeff Austin uh, tribute last night, and it was a tremendous night. We, we really enjoyed it. Jeff left a lot of sad uh, faces around this town. He um, he really lit up uh, the scene for a lot of folks. I actually managed to have him in my studio one time, uh, mm. and um, yeah, an interesting guy. I'm glad you were there. And um, helping bring the whole thing along. Typically, at this point in the the live set, um, the band talks about where they're playing tonight or tomorrow night or whatever. Often, these live appearances are in support of a of a upcoming local gig. But um, I looked on the calendar, and you guys aren't going to be playing around here anytime very soon. Although we do have the February first thing coming up. Are, are there more soon gigs that you want to mention? Yeah, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be up at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. Uh, oh, that's right. On uh, December twenty seventh and twenty eighth, so come on up and get your shining on with us. Pre New Year's <laughs> um, party up there. Well, yeah, that is what a what a great building, and um, I've actually been in the ballroom there. Is unless are you in the uh, maybe you don't know, but are you in the the carriage house to the to the uh, next to it, or are you in the the bar slash ballroom? At the Stanley, do you know? Uh, as far as I know, we're in the ballroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. So long as we're not in room 237, that's all I can Yeah, no, we don't want to be in room 237, and we don't want to hear anybody say red room. Not, not at all. So. <laughs> you know, old Mr. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Stanley um, had his own, you know, suite of rooms in the in the, the hotel, and they overlooked the front door, and he would keep an eye, and he had a buzzer on his desk that rang at the front desk. He looked out and he watched who was coming in the door of his hotel back a uh, hundred years ago, and uh, if he didn't look like the way you looked, uh, you weren't going to get a room. He would just <laughs> he would hit that switch. They would light up at the front desk and sorry, all our rooms are booked for this evening. Um, but and we're going to be doing the same, so please look appropriate. <laughs> I just wanted you to know a little bit. There, it's, it's not all just uh, crazy madmen at the Stanley. There's, uh, but it's mostly that. No. Um, so, <laughs> just kidding. I, I, I always want to say venues are, are something. I really like to enjoy different rooms and pay attention and see what sound happens in them and so on. But you guys are pretty unusual for a band that has uh, banjos and mandolins and things like that. And you you played Red Rocks. Uh, in fact, you headlined Red Rocks a couple of times, right? And you sold out Red Rocks with a banjo and a mandolin in the band. Am, 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 have I said anything incorrect yet? Well, the reason I bring it up was that... The, we're, we're shocked as well. <laughs> the Beatles played Red Rocks in 1964 after they were on the Ed Sullivan Show. They didn't sell out Red Rocks. The Beatles That's did because not. because they didn't have a banjo. Well, they did, actually. The, Be- the Beatles did actually have a banjo in the early days, at least, of the... Uh, when they 
they had the tea chest basins, and when they were the quarrymen, they had a tenor banjo. <laughs> and when John would break a string, he'd uh, he'd reach over and play for a while on the banjo. Uh, I discovered that. So it wasn't that. It's something else about you. It must be the vocal blend. Those guys, those limeys couldn't really sing anyway. So I guess it's, <laughs> I, I guess it's about you guys uh, and something you have that come on selling out Red Rocks. It just that just doesn't happen. I I got to see Joan Baez uh, that year, actually 1964 at Red Rocks, and um, and she sold out. Um, so it's a I, I I just have to say I've never been on that stage. I've been on some stages over my life and some impressive ones. That one seems to me that it, it must kind of do something to your knees a little bit when you walk out there and see 10,000 people and the and the, the rock walls going up and then there's like just stars up there what would you talk just a little bit about the feeling that you had when you walked out maybe the first time never mind the the last one but the the, the first time you walk out headlining red rocks what's that like for a band like you uh it was you're not going to be great. We've we've, now, we've, I mean. we've we've loved playing Red Rocks. It's such a um, majestic and beautiful place, uh, first of all. But for for as big as it is, as you say, ten thousand people or so. But um, it also feels really intimate. You know, there's something about the the way it's built and the the rocks uh, enclosing it. it. It feels it feels like you're right there with the people. It doesn't feel you know, cavernous. It, it feels intimate, and uh, and it sounds incredible everywhere. It is sort of the work of <laughs> it's the work of socialism. You know, that was a WPA project, I believe. Public socialist thing. So what they do? You so yeah. I mean, but you guys. So you didn't feel um, overwhelmed by the moment. You you didn't uh, you didn't feel tiny suddenly as you walked out there. You were ready to go. You you had it in you to. Go ahead and open up and give them what you had without without a, any butterflies. Um, not, not that I recall, but it's a um, you know that's that's a that's a that's a strange thing. You know, you can get butterflies when you're playing in a place for five people. Well, yeah. Uh, or you can or you can get butterflies when you're going out in front of ten thousand. Or depending on the night, you know, you can you can feel great and feel like walk out in front of ten thousand and. And, it, and feel perfectly uh, ready to go, or you can go out in front of five people and feel like, man, I really wish I was uh, not stepping on a stage today, you know? <laughs> Mance Lipscomb said, one look like a thousand to me, and a, and a thousand look like one. But I, didn't, yeah. I, I don't know if you could... Somebody was about to say something. And well, I, I was going to say, if I may, uh, it's also different when a band has been around as long as this one has, and uh, people have been playing music as long as everyone in this has. Uh, and this band has, when you get to that moment, you've been working your whole life towards that moment. So if anything, when you get out there, it's empowering and validating for all those years you put in, as opposed to maybe you're a new band and you've had success very quickly, then I imagine it can be kind of a daunting situation to go from playing clubs one year to the very next. You're you're standing there in front of all those people, but when you work so long to get there, it, it feels great and feels like... It made sense to spend all those years struggling. So you felt like you were you had paid your dues and you were members of the club. You were ready to walk out there. <laughs> you could say that. Well, that's yeah. interesting to know. I mean, I've always felt banjos are you know play bowling alleys and drive-in theaters. Oh, here we come. 
hey man. <laughs> Mike's leaving now. Not, not really, you know, R Red Rock so much. So, I, well, you're, well, what I'm saying is that the success of your band, it just astounds me, not because you don't, not because there's anything about you that doesn't, that doesn't deserve it, that, not that you haven't earned it, but that it, that it happened at all, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, I, I suspect that you also maybe, well, I don't know. Do you have a really great manager, somebody who's out there, an agent who's who's pulling great gigs, or are, is the phone just ringing? Is all Alex you have to do is pick up listening? the phone. Now, our management's really actually terrible, but <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping he's listening. Alex, are you listening? No, we 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 feel blessed and 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 lucky and fortunate, you know. But and we but we have uh, also worked very hard and made our fans, you know, one fan at a time by. Getting out there and working and um, and doing our thing and and people have connected with it and responded and we have a wonderful um, family of of uh, fans and friends that has developed over the years. So I think it's also a testament to the the strength of the songs and the playing and the melodies. I mean, it's all part. Of, we have a really great fan base. They're amazing, but the hobos, would, right? Yeah, we wouldn't have had them if we didn't have the songs on the playing. So it's also not that uncommon anymore. Someone might want to talk about that. I mean, there's other acoustic music is... I'm not going to say made it. Acoustic music hasn't necessarily made a... I don't want to say a comeback, but, um, you know, there's a new generation of musicians playing acoustic instruments differently, you know, than the tradition they grew up studying. And, and there's a younger generation of fans ready to support that. So there's, there's other artists like us with this sort of instrumentation that have also done well and sold out Red Rocks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, the, uh, last night was a testament to the to the community uh, and this this music community and the music community fans, you know, and, you know, we certainly uh, are part of it, but, you know, uh, there are artists long, be, well before us paving the way, you know, Hot Rise last night playing, and we're big fans of them, and... Uh, Me too. Yeah, so you know, we're we're not the first to um, run around with the banjos. I don't think Hot Rise. <laughs> I don't think Hot Rise has ever done um, Red Rocks though. Pete Wernick uh, played with uh, String Cheese there, I guess, one time. Uh, but uh, yeah. the Hot Rise band never never managed to uh, even be an opening act at uh, at Red Rocks. So you, you you do have. I mean, don't don't be. Too modest, gentlemen. Um, I think you're doing something that's very special out there, and I'm, uh, uh, as a struggling banjo player for 50 years myself, I'm proud that there's a that there's a band out there that's that's changing people's <laughs> lives, coast to coast. Have you? Uh, you've got a big tour coming up next year uh, that's going to be nationwide. Do you guys have uh, international plans? Are you going to be going to Europe, Australia, Japan, things like that? We don't have any any plans for that right now. We have a um, a pretty big operation, and it's uh, it costs some money to get this whole thing around. And uh, you know, Europe, we we just haven't developed that um, mm -hmm. as a as a market where it's affordable for us to do stuff like that. But um, it would be nice. We're going to stick to the United States. <laughs> we're happy to have you here. How about another tune before uh, before I let you go? I know you've got. Uh, long ways to go everywhere you go, but uh, <laughs> another tune would be great before you go. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us.
Railroad Earth here on KGNU, appearing at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, December twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Is that right? Getting yep. ready for getting ready for New Year's Eve. Where are you on New Year's Eve? Atlanta, Georgia, the Variety Theater. Well, I'll just drive down there and meet you there too. We'll, we'll party on that. Well, Bring your <laughs> it's coming. Got a twenty-eight no-hole arch top. Um, <laughs> you'd love it. Uh, so we have had as our guests for the last half hour or so, uh, Railroad Earth, and uh, thanks so much, guys, for coming in and taking taking time out of your day, Thank uh, you. without even a gig tonight to push. So uh, just you were in the neighborhood and thought you'd come by and share some music with us. <laughs> I think it's really great, and um, best of luck to you. I did get a call from an alert listener who said Hot Rise opened for String Cheese at Red Rocks uh, <laughs> a few years ago, and uh, they played an acoustic set together, the two groups. So um, I was wrong. First mistake I ever made, too. But uh, <laughs> That's got to be a first for everything. Really right? glad I got it right, volunteering to host you guys on my show this morning. So thanks a lot. Happy trails to you in all that you do. And uh, I really wanted to ask Todd, but we're about out of time. I'm, you uh, did music uh, for a thing on uh, the music of uh, uh, Finnegan's Wake, right? You did music for Finnegan's Wake? Oh, that was me, oh. Tim, Tim yeah. Carbone. Oh, oh yeah, that's I'm sorry. Um, wh- well, it was a crazy thing. I got I had to read a chapter of Finnegan's Wake, and just trying to figure out the language was, was enough to just drive you crazy. And then I improvised the whole soundtrack and behind it. So it was, it was a very cool thing to do, but I'm not sure I'd really want to do it again. <laughs> My wife read that book while she nursed our our first son. In fact, and he grew up big and strong, and uh, and really a little a little whacked as well. So I think it's a. Uh, Everybody ought to everybody ought to spend time with Finnegan's Wake. Glad you got to do it the chance, and I'm glad we got to spend time with Railroad Earth this morning. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. And thanks to George Figs for doing great engineering work on that. I could hear everybody, even the pedal steel. Uh,